Next Chapter Podcast. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Is this a song or am I being beamed up to the mothership? Who just screamed? Why is someone screaming? It's Careering by Public Image LTD off their 1979 album, Metal Box. It's also number 461 out of 500 on the Spotify original, The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. That's me. You probably recognize my garbage disposal voice if you've been tuning in. Because you're tuning in to the only podcast where we're going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. I hope you're listening. I hope you paid the $9.99 on Spotify and you're tuning in and doing your homework. Last week was the first official 500 as a Spotify original. We had the guest Bobby Lee. We taped it live at Just for Laughs in Montreal. We talked about R.E.M.'s document. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to it. And thank you if you already have listened to it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, a lot of people that are part of the Fleece Army have been complaining. Not about the podcast. They've been complaining that we might have changed the date of the final episode. I told you a few months ago to update your iCals with May 31st. 2028 at 6 p.m. Dag nabbit, we might drop two in one week. We got a lot of time, guys. We will make sure that the party is still going to happen May 31st, 2028 at 6 p.m. So don't change anything yet. Trust me, I've already set up the reservation of the hall. It's going to be great. So don't worry about it. Also, thank you for anybody that's been doing the Instagram stories. I want you guys to continue doing that so we can get the word out. Take a screenshot of how you're listening to The 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers and put a hashtag The 500 Podcast. Give us a 24-hour ad on your social media as we try to spread the gospel of the Fleece Army. Now, I know we've had some weird records since we started doing this podcast. This one might be the weirdest. Released on November 23rd, 1979 as 312-inch 45 RPM records in a 16mm metal film canister, then re-released in January of 1980 under the title Second Edition as a traditional double vinyl album, this is the second record by Public Image Limited, or as I like to call them and as we will refer to them for the rest of this, P.I.L. 
It would only be partially musically correct to call this post-punk, even though the singer was previously in the most notorious punk band of the 70s, the Sex Pistols. After he was kicked out of the Sex Pistols, Johnny Rotten returned to his birth name of Johnny Lydon to form PIL, with old school friend and bassist John Wardle, who was professionally known as Ja Wobble. That's a fucking great name. Ja Wobble. Founding member of The Clash guitarist Keith Levine and several rotating drummers, three of which, David Humphrey, Martin Atkins, and Richard Dudansky, appear on this album, although none were credited on the original release. The band melded together krautrock, dub reggae, experimental noise, disco, and more to form their anti-rock answer to what they perceived as safe, rebellious music. And on this album, they went even further into the experimental than on their debut. According to bassist Ja Wobble, some of this was due to everyone in the band being on different drugs at the same time. This album also has a unique sound that owes a debt to being in debt. As the band spent most of their advance for the record's unique packaging, they didn't have much money left to actually record it. So they would sneak into other oblivious bands blocked out studios after they went home and work all night, often improvising and using quickly recorded monitor mixes. As Johnny Lydon said, it paid off because although the recordings were done in scrappy little bits, it actually seemed to help. Through desperation, you can get great results. And I think they had incredible results. My guests, on the other hand, not so much. My guest this week is Kyle Kinane. You know him from the stand-ups on Netflix, Those Who Can't on True TV, and you've heard his voice on Paradise PD on Netflix, as well as being the voice of Comedy Central for many years. Kyle is a real punk fan. This was a very, very fun record to record, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500 on Spotify or anywhere you get your pods. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. If you want to send us a message, tell us you're enjoying the podcast, or even if you don't like it, email us at 500podcasts at gmail.com. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Well, guys, nothing left to say, but here we go. With number 461 out of 500 with Metal Box by Public Image LTD. Kyle Kanane, Kyle Kanane, Kyle. Is that really how it starts? That's really, yeah, that's because it's, that's, that's actually, that's me singing your name uh, through no, one I... of the melodies uh, from off of this album, yeah. Oh, I mean, we can leave. We can cut it. Let's no, cut it now. No, no, no we're leaving no. it. Go, we're leaving go. it. Keep it. Keep it in there. It all pertains. Uh, you like love punk, right? Uh, yeah, I'm a punk rock guy. I'm because <clears throat> I, I was trying to think about what I was trying to anticipate what we we're going to talk about with this podcast, and I was like, man, I realize that I'm not a music fan. I'm a fan of music that I like, but I'm not people that just have an encyclopedic knowledge and can listen to any genre of music and appreciate it for what it's worth. I'm not that guy. Okay. You know? Yeah. So then why do you feel so connected to punk rock then? Because I was a suburban white kid in the mid-90s. I didn't grow I mean, it wasn't like the working class fighting against the queen or raging against the government. 
It was <laughs> it was everything that led up to Blink One Eighty Two being popular. It was all <laughs> my my favorite song. Like, like I heard I heard you the, and me. We're a disease. Which one's that? I know that That's what, bad religion. That's, oh, man. I don't know a lot of punk. I know like yeah, I, I know some, the bad, that was the first that was the second concert I saw. Was bad well, religion? Uh was Green Day opening for Bad Religion if you want to go back that's to long 19, if you want to go back to 1993. That's 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 right around. Do you have a time? That was Dookie came out. I got they that was right before that album came out and everybody was going nuts about Green Day before that album came out. And then it came out and it was that middle of like it's like right when you're a you know 14 or 15 years old and you find something yeah. now everybody likes everything which i think is great everybody incorporates everything you know you see like a hip-hop fan but that's wearing a spiked leather jacket and stuff like everything's mixed together oh, yeah right and now i think it's... that's good i think that's a good thing i don't i can't i'm too old to be territorial about something i liked when i was 15 i gotta be all protective of it please mix it all together it's the only hope we have for human beings getting along is to mash all this shit together and just eliminate all races by becoming one and get into everything. But uh, so I, I so I started listening like when I was a little kid, I heard uh, Plastic Bertrand. It's, it's a French is a French band. And it was, do you remember National Lampoon's European Vacation? Of course. Do you remember when they have to go like they get to the Louvre and it's like it's. I was a little kid, but I'm like, oh, I want more music to sound like that. Yeah, that's I'm like, where's that music? And so you found that in I in found punk rock. that song. Yeah. Okay. And I want like, but I'm a kid. I don't have older brothers. I don't have anybody introducing me to stuff. And I wasn't in with a crowd that introduced. So I'm like, well, I guess. And I, nobody was even showing me skate videos. Skate videos was was the kind of plug-in for a lot of people to get into bands yeah. back in the 80s. And even then, I didn't get like... Or if I watched a skate video at somebody's house, I didn't. I felt like a nerd. What band is this? Hey, what band is this one? What band is this one? So then I watched Thrashing. That's was, a movie? It was a movie. A skateboard movie. I only know Gleaming the Cube. Oh, this was before Gleaming the Cube. Okay. Which there was hints of music, like in Gleaming the Cube. You could hear some of it when he's like listening to headphones. He's listening to Suicidal Tendencies and stuff. And I would hear that. I'm like... Yeah, I got. I just like I would see suicidal tendencies like a T-shirt. I'm like, I think I'm gonna like them, so I buy a tape. Yeah. So, what were the bands that that out of the punk out of the punk rock era that you that you really felt a connection to? Like, what were the bands? Well, that's so thrash, and I heard uh, Circle Jerks on on that movie, and then I was just in high school, and you know, you're trying to find stuff, and it was like when Rollins Band were like like liar, Liar, yeah, and it was still too heavy, like. I was still wanting music to be fun. I wasn't like a tortured teen. Like kids are like, oh, we listen to Nine Inch Nails. I'm like, that's kind of all right, but I don't. I like. I'm still goofing off. I'm still making jokes, and that's a shitty soundtrack if you're trying to have fun. Like I didn't have a tortured youth, and it was the early to mid '90s resurgence pop punk, and it was fun. It wasn't like angsty and miserable. It was like a good time. You'd go and you'd, and it wasn't violent. It wasn't. You hear stuff about like. The OC bands, like Southern California bands, are all beating the shit out of each other, and half of them are skinheads and all. So I'm like, man, Chicago was like, yeah, we're all dealing with just being Midwest, and maybe life doesn't work out. So let's <laughs> mosh, but not we're no, nobody's throwing punches. So let me ask you this then. So then you're listening to PIL for the first time about a week ago. Yeah, well, I because then I heard Ramones. Yeah, and then you hear Black Flag, and then you so you you start going to the history, like you're getting all the contemporary bands, but they're like. All right, somebody covers a Black Flag song. Somebody covered a Pink Lincoln's covered a Wire song. 
Uh, you know, so you start getting into the history and like, all right, let's look at it. And you get then all those compilations, those like quick money grab compilations where you could tell all these bands licenses or whatever went up. So yeah. Like, the early days of punk and it would be like television or something like what is this, this is i think my parents listen to this, this marquee moon yeah yeah so like i don't know what i don't know what these 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 bands are i think like, it's all right and then you hit a ramon song like yeah more of that that's what i want so it sounds like to me that you you the the punk that you'd appreciate was the where like you kept mentioning the ramones you, you mentioned yeah. uh circle jerks like those are some of like the the go-to punk bands yeah like right? fa- i like the fast music i so, didn't i didn't want some art school shit. Okay, well then, how did you feel about PIL? Like, how did this album, Metal Box, like, what what did that bring uh, up to well, you? Well, all right, my knee-jerk reaction was that it sucked real bad. Uh, my try-to-not-be-knee-jerk-about reactions, because it's you're usually incorrect and you sound like an asshole, is that, like, it's not, it's not, it's not my thing. It's not, I listen to music, it's a, what... What purpose does music serve in your life? You know, mine. Like, well, in, in, in anybody, any, it's just it's just enjoyment. It's like there's something mm-hmm. about music that just gets into my soul. And as I was mm-hmm. as I was prepping this and listening to this record yesterday, uh, it, it just was like I, just, I went from this to some other stuff because I was like, well, I, I've listened to it four times already today, and I was just listening to certain songs and I was moved. Like I, I might hear music a little was, bit differently. I was moved to, to listen to another band. <laughs> <laughs> The first song is 10 minutes long. No song. What are you, fucking Beethoven? You don't need a 10-minute long song. And if I can skip from, like, beginning, all right, I got it. Two minutes in, same thing. Four minutes in, same thing. Six minutes in. I'm not listening to the last four minutes. Okay. Same, just bleep, bloop. Squeak, 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 bunk, bunk. Okay. Squeak, 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 squeak. I'm like, I, this, it doesn't serve any purpose to me. I'm sure it's an important band to somebody. I'm a shitty music fan. I love cover songs. I love greatest hits albums. God. Yeah, give me the give me the sandwich and cut the crust off. I want that shit. Give me like <laughs> I'm fine. Make fun of me. I'm a shitty music fan. But Public Image Limited served no purpose to me. Really? I put it on and I felt nothing and you could tell it's like it just felt like pretentious art rock shit which I have to think about what it was when it came out because it was what seventy nine. Well, this, ca- this yeah, album so this, came out seventy nine. So, so our album is number four sixty one out of five hundred. It's I can't second, believe it made five hundred albums. Well, we're gonna find out Somebody's why. Somebody's doing a favor. It's <laughs> what was four sixty two? Fucking well, what, spooky sounds for Halloween. Four sixty two. Number seven. <laughs> Jesus Christ! They're running out of ideas. All right. So it's the second album, Metal Box, uh, by Public Image Limited, released on November twenty third, nineteen seventy nine. That is nine days after I was born, and it was produced mm. by uh, the band itself. <laughs> and yeah. uh, couldn't tell. And so I, I want to say this: I basically uh, had almost the same reaction as you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought this album uh, was going to be horrible because uh, I put the first song on, and it was. I hated the vocals, the lack of melody, the pounding, repetitive mm-hmm. bass, the bad edits, the the mishmash of noise. And what was funny was I did my pass on the record where I go through it and I go song by song and I write how I felt. And it was very negative, okay? It was very negative. Then one morning I got up and it all started with the song Pop Tunes. Uh, That got in my head and then everything else fell in place. 
the cool thing was that I all the stuff I hated about the record began to be the things that I loved about the record. I love yeah. Johnny's voice and the weird lyrics. I love the lack of melody because that became a melody. The bass became the star and that energized it. I love the, the weird, horrible edit shifts and memories. The noises uh, all became important to the song. And uh, now, if you talked to me two days ago, I wouldn't have said this. I think this is a brilliant record <laughs> well but but that's uh, i go with these knee-jerk reactions i can't like i said i'm not a music fan in the sense where i'm gonna wipe my slate clean and sit down and listen to something from new hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry Ooh, a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no and again like okay you got to look at the Time and place that it came out. All right, post-Sex Pistols. And so Johnny Rotten's always kind of like, from what I know about him, seems just contrarian. Like, you pick you pick which element of punk rock you want to be. Some people just want the <clears throat> fast music. You know, they just play fast, and then whatever their life is, is their life. They play fast music. Yeah. Some people incorporate elements into their life. And Johnny Rotten, I think, was a dude that took it into his life. Like, oh, I'm going to be against the status quo. Well, what happens when punk rock becomes a status quo? Well, all you start putting the prefix post <clears throat> onto the thing you used to do. Sure. So post-punk, which means now i got to challenge the aesthetic that I was already help, help found, you know, help establish. Oh, to be contrarian, i got to go against that, which seems like an exhausting way to live. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> That's why I saw, like, there's so many weird... <laughs> Uh, there's something like Ben Weasel from Screeching Weasel. It's a guy that like now is a full right wing Republican. Yeah, and just I, mean, I think it's the status quo was everybody was liberal. In the eighties, yeah. the, the status quo was you know Reagan and AIDS and you know you know you know, gay people died. So it's like oh we got to support, we got to go against the status quo and support all this. Now everything's you know like much more opening, open and accepting, and especially in a punk rock environment, it's like this is a safe place. You can come here, you can be whoever you want. And then you got some guys going, oh, well, I got to be the opposite of this now. Whether they are just being contrarian or they truly are like, oh, I'm learning about I, – I changed as a human being as I grew, which that's what I like to see. I mean, maybe I don't like to see somebody turn into a shitty, you know, conservative, that, but yeah. I like – I don't know what I want to see. I don't want to – I don't know if I want to see old punk rock guys become more conservative or if I want to see old punk rock guys – still trying to like find what's left of their hair to push into a green mohawk like what's sadder all right let's dive <laughs> let's dive into the record okay so like you mentioned at the beginning the first song is albatross now this is the longest song on the record uh my initial thought was 
how many songs are on this album? Because I don't know if I'm going to make it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like they put the first song to be a test whether the listener yeah. would keep listening through it and continue on to the rest of the album. Uh, little did they know, I would listen eight times. Yeah. And uh, so go ahead, Peter, play 45 seconds in for us. Just your face no, while not, listening to that is just it's not good. It's, it's not good. It's it's listen. But I'm like I'm like you. You could serve me like pate. I'm like I don't eat cheeseburger. Like so I I know where I'm coming from on this. Yeah, I know my stunted taste in music, but I don't like that. I don't. <laughs> it doesn't sound good to me. What mood? What mood are you in when you listen to that? I, I was. You know what's Other funny? Other than researching I, I, I your can't podcast, say it's a mood. It just I like mm. it now. I like it now. I don't know why. It's mm-hmm. just I like it. It I was driving and I'm and I'm I'm not really singing along, but it's just it's just keeping me Oh, you didn't hum that one? I'm just I mean oh. Oh. Hi, 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 you're, you're already doing it. You're already treating it with more respect than it deserves. It, it sounds <laughs> it's it's there first of all, the first thing I noticed is that there is no mid range in this song. It's all highs and lows. Mm-hmm. And it also just sounded like a bad recording of a rehearsal jam. Uh, which makes sense because mm-hmm. this was recorded in one take with the band improvising everything. No, no in, shit. Including Johnny making up the lyrics. Yeah. And how could like, all right, that's really in the face of modern music where you practice a little and try. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, no, should we, should we do that again? No, it's perfect. You mean it was just can't, can't, can't. Yeah, that's that's good. It's pretty, Leave it that one. I mean, if, if you take the element of punk rock, which is not giving a shit, nailed it, guys. They nailed it. In, in an allusion to Samuel Taylor Coleridge's 1798 poem, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, the word albatross is sometimes used metaphorically to mean a psychological burden that feels like a curse. I believe you just came up with that off the top of your head. Right? I know, it's, dude, I've got it. I'm just a, I'm just a treasure chest of information. Uh, yeah. Leiden said that the lines getting rid of the albatross, sowing the seeds of discontent, were a reference to the Sex Pistols' former manager, Malcolm McLaren, and his bragging and pontificating that he took part in the riots outside the American embassy. I didn't know that that happened. But it, wasn't the Sex Pistols a boy band, essentially, anyway? Uh, they were assembled by the manager, I see. I don't know the history of the of the Sex Pistols. Yeah, man. Fucking uh, Sid Vicious never even played bass. They gave him a bass. Like you're fit the part, and they gave him a bass, and they turned it down because he couldn't play. I liked Albatross. It's not my favorite on the record, but it's definitely one that, as I listened to it, I started to dig more. But song two, I loved, and that's Memories. Uh, now this was the single released before the album, and it sounds like a punk band trying to play disco. Which I guess it sort of is. Uh, there are some really obvious edits on this and others on the record. Uh, Peter, play minute two, second 47. That one I was all right with. This song is great, dude. This song is because great. Because it sounds like Stop Making Sense. What is that? Is by that the Talking song? Heads. And I, but I don't know if what came before. I love this song. I loved everything about it. I loved his lyrics. I loved the the weird edit. I loved that this sounded so do-it-yourself. Uh, but what I like the most 
uh, was the line, this person's had enough of useless memories. Uh, which is not something you would expect from something that has been just thrown together. And if he's just spitting out these lyrics like stream of consciousness, mm-hmm. like he's coming out with some some pretty like prolific words. Um, which useless memories of yours can't you let go of? Just dumb, like the dumbest, like I know the specific smell of my grade school cafeteria. Oh God, yeah, I, I smell like I, library books. Bring take me back. Like I know this. I can like if you gave me like five different cleaners, I could pick out which one was that. But that's the smell is the tied to sense of smell is tied closest to memories. I you know it's funny that you say that. Like I can't tell you how many times uh, throughout a week that I'll just be somewhere. It could be at the gym, could be at the mall, whatever, and I'll smell something that reminds me of cocaine. I don't know if you've ever done it. But it's got that that indistinct smell and taste, and it's just like something stepped on. Yeah, so oh, it's just, like whatever, it's whatever like, they stepped like, on it ba- with. Oh, what like, is that? Somebody got baby laxative around yeah. here? <laughs> you got pent up baby? Because <laughs> I got a shit. Yeah, now. you got a stuck baby? Is that what you got? Because I'm feeling like, let's go dancing. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I, like I know which pair of Airwalks I wore when I worked at a donut factory when I was 17. I remember the color, the make of them. I could look at a whole series of old, just I had dozens and dozens of airwalks. That's what I was wearing: vans, skate shoes, all this. I remember that pair specifically. I remember the color. I remember the colorway of it. They weren't cool shoes, one like Nike or Jordans or anything like that. But I remember that. I remember. Fuck, man! Now, now you're like. Now I just will remember stuff, but <laughs> I don't good. think it's, but it's, I don't think it's useless because I think it's, I don't think it is either. Like I think I, being a comedian, like you have to remember nuance to things. Yeah, and I completely agree. I'm I'm a detail oriented guy yeah. when it comes to telling a story. I don't so write I good everything. jokes. I just re- I could tell I could tell you a bad joke in such detail you don't realize it's a bad joke <laughs> because I infuse it with so much <laughs> with, detail. Yeah, everybody, this is going on the ride with you. Yeah, it's it's like a lifelike painting when somebody's like, it's very lifelike. What's it inspired <laughs> by? That guy's face. I painted his face, and it looks like his face there's no inspiration i'm just really good at the details yeah so all right let's take it into swan lake all right uh it's also called death disco now this is just a shitty dance song but it gets you in the guts uh, I could see him like making fun of disco at that era because well, that was opulence and over the top and all those bands were like yeah. we got we got to be the opposite of this thing. Funny that you mentioned that. So this was first recorded and released under the title Death Disco in June of 1979, then remade for Metalbox under the title Swan Lake due to the guitarist Keith Levens attempt to quote the lick from Tchaikovsky's famous ballet score. Now, it was written as a last request to Johnny's dying mother uh, that he re- wrote her a disco song to play at her funeral. As he recalled... When I had to deal with my mother's death, which upset the fuck out of me, I did it to partly through music. I had to watch her die slowly of cancer for a whole year. I wrote Death Disco about that. I played it to her just before she died, and she was very happy. So, well, you aren't uh, wrong, because this is the anti-disco song, but that is... Imagine you're about to die from cancer, and then you got to <laughs> listen to this on top of it. <laughs> play, play, All right, let's play, play Peter. Let's play, play, play minute one, second 30. He definitely puts the pain in disco. 
Uh, because, but you have to figure that, you know, you can hear that pain in his singing, the way he's like, like he's really singing from the gut. This has to be cathartic, uh, to him, uh, because he's never portraying his punk credibility while doing this. No, but I love that, you know, he's like this champion of the working class, but then you make music that nobody in the working class wants to hear. <laughs> like, you can just get out of a coal mine and that's what you're going to put on in the car on the ride home? Not a chance. It's a fun, it's a, this is a fun <laughs> album the- to drive to. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, but here's some cool things about it. You must it. have a nice car. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to these lyrics. Here we go. Never, no more hope away. Final in a fade, watch her slowly die, solid in her eyes, choking on a bed, flowers rotting dead, seen it in her eyes. Um, What's the soundtrack you want played at your funeral? Oh, man. Like, request. Do you want people to cry? Uh, that's your call, man. Because if that's a I funeral, mean, like, do you believe, like, this is where I have questions. If you believe that you're dead, then it doesn't matter, so you could just fuck with people because it'd be hilarious. Oh, I'm 100% behind that. Yeah. Monster Mash. <laughs> he was burning up the It's a great song. It's a song about unity. <laughs> People are just like, <laughs> he had so much more life. It's, he did the mash. It's like, and everybody has to sit there confused, like angry that that's playing, but like this, I like, it'll be written. Like, I'll have it signed by me. Like, go. On repeat. It's right there. It's on the, it's on the paragraph four, page six. That's, that's my, the... my only will is play Monster Mash at my funeral. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, pop Tones. This might be my favorite song on the record. Uh, so this was one of the first songs recorded for the album, and I think this one is is one of the few songs on the record that is probably the most accessible. Like you mentioned, like mem- uh, memories, but this one ha- feels like a real song, and I, I do like the way it sounds. Thought it should be a breakdown of like a far bigger song, not a full mm. seven minutes and forty nine seconds. Peter, play uh, minute two, second fifty eight. That is fantastic. That's punk rock. That's disco. That's dub. That's like five different music styles put into one. Plus, uh, there's some cool facts about this. So, uh, according to John, this was inspired by an article in the newspaper, The Daily Mirror, about a woman who had been kidnapped and sexually assaulted in a car by a gang of men. Dear God. Who later left her in the woods. Good Lord. The kidnappers, kidnappers were later identified by her from a song on a tape they played repeatedly, which was found in their recovered car this is pretty deep but that's why i think the song actually matches that story it has to be you know like pushing at you and just kind of squeezing you with that with those noises so uh, i i kind of like that's i don't want to go like i don't like i'm glad you that was it was made i'm glad the song was created and is you know shining light on that horrendous activity it's never like my god clean the house let's put on uh pop tunes <laughs> This is a clean put on the kidnapping and rape jam from Public Image Limited. This is I think the dishes. I think this is cleaning. I I did the dishes to this, but let me ask you this: You're sick. Well, I mean, I do have some problems. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out. (laughs) What tape or CD have you had on repeat in your car the longest? Back in the day, tape wise, I remember I made before me first and the Gimme Gimmies came out. I made a a cover, a cover tape of all these punk bands doing covers, and I think I I think I probably blew it out. Uh, on Pink Houses, the John Cougar Mellon camp oh. song, but a veil covers it, and they kick the shit out of it. Really? They just take a song like John Cougar Mellon, like you know, it's all about 
you know, the hardship, like like a Veils, like the working man's band out there. Oh, wow. Band were, but when they're back now, I'm going to go see them in, at Riot Fest. But, like, that's, uh, like, when you know Pink Houses, I just loved how punk rock would take these songs that you wouldn't give a second, like, like a, a second listen to. I mean, it's a good tune. And... But in like that down home, like, oh, I can't listen to this. I'm punk rock now. And I've gotten all of a sudden for being punk rock, I got a lot of rules and I can't listen to stuff. But then Avail's like, no, can't it's be still cheesy. Good yeah. I mean, Pegboy, uh, Pegboy, strong reaction. I probably had the toothpaste out on that, trying to get the scratches out of the CD. Yeah. Um, yeah, Str- Strong Reaction by Pegboy was an album that I went through. Mine is Core by Stone Temple Pilots. That I listen, I probably listen to that. 3,000 times. I have no idea. I, I, I loved Stone Temple Pilots so, so much. Um, there's Okay, there's an example of a song that I know you want what, like. Sex that, type thing. That's a song about rape, but it's a, such a catchy jam. And I'm like singing along like, I'm having a good day. Like, listen to the lyrics. <laughs> okay, roll up the windows. You know? <laughs> Maybe uh, this isn't the one you blasted the gas station. Like, who's partying tonight? <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Careering. This is haunting. Uh, to me, this sounds like an alien invasion. Uh, the band was still in between drummers on this one, but this time bassist Ja Wobble played them. Kevin Levine put down the guitar and only played the Prophet 5 synthesizer on this, and it keeps it dark, haunting, and unsettling. This is a little psychedelic dub ditty, and I loved it. Uh, I didn't. I originally I had written. Uh, I didn't like it, but then right next to that, I said at the fourth listen, I loved it. Uh, this is about an Irish Republic Army or IRA gunman who is careering as a professional businessman in London. Uh, what are the best? What are the I like that one? Like, well, I like it because it's like a soundtrack. When you put that on, and like if you have that head in headphones and you're walking down the street, you're like, all right. Oh yeah, dude, that'll that'll some, definitely some set the mood. Some of the tunes, like yeah, okay. Ah, I see somebody's uh, coming around yeah, a little bit. Uh, no, let's not uh, push it. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I'll slink around in the shadows to that one. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy—it's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. 
uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. Okay, what's the worst job you've ever had? Uh, it was called West LA Music off Coenga Boulevard. They're no longer in business, but even if they were, I would still say that place sucks. Uh, it was I, just it was just the environment was awful. <clears throat> like I always did warehouse stuff. I always did like manual labor because my idea was like you. I'll, I'll do whatever I want. I'm not gonna. Go nah, to dude, gym. you've you've got that manual labor look. Like, but not I'm like, not gonna lie. But dude. I didn't like, do carpentry. You, for <laughs> I didn't do carpentry or anything. Like I just unloaded trucks. Like, yeah, I, no, that's exactly <clears throat> that's the perfect yeah. job description. Manual for labor what you that, look like yeah that doesn't even need uh, any sort of common sense. Like you look, you look like you should be wearing one of those back oh, braces have, that go. I wore weight belts. <laughs> I wore weight belts to stop you from getting a hernia. Yeah. Still got one, but that was from coffee. And if you you're smoking a bomb, <laughs> but I so I was working at this place, and it, I thought it was like, oh, it's like a music, like music instrument store, and they did a lot of studio stuff, and I thought it was going to be cool. I'm like, all right, well, I like musical instruments, and so I'll be around that, and you know, you, you unload them, tag them, put them in a warehouse. When people sell them, they move out. So it was like a guitar center type place, but it was absolute pandemonium in there. The salesmen would fight each other, like fist fights, in Jay, in the Jay. showroom. While, while, while customers are Oh, in yeah, there. yeah. It was bonkers. <laughs> and then I remember, like, the, the singer from Journey was in there. What's Steve the, Perry. Steve Perry's in there just in, like, not an Adidas tracksuit, but, like, the Ross version of it. Yeah. But I was like, oh, shit, Steve Perry. Like, oh, man. And everybody's like, who? Like, Steve, How do you not know Steve Journey? Perry? Exactly. And you work at a music store. But then everybody lost their shit when Brian Austin Green was in there. He was a lot hotter at the time. Steve uh, Perry. He wasn't. Out. He wasn't hot either. It was. It was. It was. Two thousand five. But he's like Brian. Austin, oh man, Brian, hey Brian Austin Green. Hey man, I'm like who? What? <laughs> Steve Perry's just over there in his tracksuit. Steve like, Perry. Is try- anybody yeah. gonna help me? Trying to get help. Trying to get help. I'm like this guy's sitting on <laughs> residuals of Don't Stop Believing. This yeah. guy could buy nine of these stores. You fucking idiots. Uh, and meanwhile, the dude who was in Melrose Place or whatever. Needs a new turntable. Get it right. Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, I, my apologies. Far, far, far. My apologies for my lateral garbage confusion. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the next song is Socialist. Now, I really did like this one. Uh, it's an instrumental, and it's really catchy. Um, the following song after that is another instrumental, Graveyard. Uh, this one, to me, has a very Clint Eastwood mood. Uh, and from what I've been told, everything on the guitar part was uh, improvised. If you want to listen, yeah, you to don't the, have to tell me this album was improvised. I know that, but if you want to listen to these people and and really be able to develop your own opinion about it, go to Spotify to listen to these two songs. All right, that takes us to number eight, the suit. Now, this might be one of my favorite songs on the record. Uh, Peter, play minute one, second 56. Tennis on Tuesday, sipping champagne, football on Sunday, I'm on the train, it is your nature. Tennis on Tuesday, <laughs> sipping champagne. I love that. I love that. It's this is one of the few songs that I was like singing. This is when I knew I liked it because I was yeah. waiting to go up at the comedy store and then I just started saying tennis on Tuesday, football on Sunday, a gibble a Yeah, I 
I guess if you like Johnny Rotten's voice, then you're like I'm really if you if you if you're on with like a, a singer or somebody, like I'll listen to Slash in whatever garbage outfit he's a part of. What do you mean? Like, oh, band-wise? I thought you yeah. meant, like, outfit. No, no, like, whatever, whatever Slash is. I thought you were talking, like, like you'd be into Slash and, Lu- and Lululemon. Slash has a duet with Kid Rock. I'm listening. Yeah, I love Slash, I'm going to listen for Slash in whatever he does. Ja Wobble played and recorded the backing track of drums and piano for this as his attempt at a cover of Fats Domino's Blueberry Hill. When Johnny heard it, he flipped and wrote the lyrics to it quickly. Leiden described this as being about people of low origins trying to be posh, but it's specifically about one person in particular. According to, to Keith Levin, it's about fashion designer Kenny McDonald, a friend of Johnny's who made the band suits. But because he didn't treat Johnny like a star and kiss his ass, Johnny decided he hated his guts and wrote this nasty song about him. Who is someone that you absolutely hate? Oh, I bet I, I waited till my forties to get confrontational. I flipped a dude off on my bike ride today because I was on a fire road, which is like an access road to get up to some trails. Yeah, and I'm all the way to the right. You know, in America, mm-hmm. how you drive on the right, and this guy's on his phone staring, and he's just he starts veering off right in front of me, and I'm like, I'll cut, I'll get around him, but then he looks up and he's like, "Whoa, man, hey, give me a heads up or something." I was like, "Get off your phone." Yeah, that's on him. And then I just, and I'm just riding. I'm trying to get, I just hear, yo! And I just gave him the finger. So fuck that guy. But I don't know about hate. I don't know what he's, I don't know what he's going through. Is there, is there anybody I, that sticks out to you that you just can't stand? No, I mean, I, I, I have to, like, this is a more uh, Buddhist answer than I was ready to give. But, like, I think I have to look at myself and why I hate somebody. Yeah. Like, what is my reason for hating somebody? Are they truly evil, or do I just not like the way they're living their life? And then what does it matter? If it doesn't affect me, why should I be hateful towards them? I know I'm, I'm, so, I'm trying to sound – I know it sounds like I'm trying to be diplomatic with my answer, but I am trying to be better because I would have recurring things. You know, I get a road rage incident, and I just sit with it. I'll sit with it for weeks. Oh, I'm just like that. I've remembered, like – I'm talking about, like, useless memories – Descriptions of cars, yeah. license plates, what the driver looked like. There was a dude. So I, I remember that. I remember a guy. I remember a, a Nissan Altima backwards, the rounded back ends with no hubcaps. And the guy was bald with a big black beard. And he just fucking dick wouldn't let me merge and like almost ran me into the shoulder. And I was like, that guy. Yeah, I remember that. It was about three years ago. I'm like, I'm going to remember that guy. I remember when somebody tried to run me off the road back in 2009. I still remember this car, Toyota Corolla. Mm-hmm. Just literally, we were getting off on the, we were going onto the two off of uh, Glendale Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And he just, like, we were all trying to get into that lane. And this, I guess there was, yeah. he was just trying to get in and then eventually just started coming over. Like, it's either I hit him yeah. or I just, and I had a Jeep and I drove in literally off the road into almost a ditch. And, like, I was yeah. able to, like, get back on. And then he just took off. Could have killed me. He didn't give a shit. Yeah, this was this thing. Like, like I'm trying to merge onto the highway, and I'm clearly in front of you, and I'm running out of space to get over, and I'm about to get over, but instead you just speed up yeah. and then corner me into the. I'm like, but so I hate that guy. Yeah, and I still I, hate that guy. And I try to like, well, what was going on in that guy's life that day that he like? I don't give a shit. I hate that fucking guy. If he died, it's okay. <laughs> good. Actually, I just got some good news for you. He actually did. That did. guy he, die? He died. Yeah. Cool. There's a <laughs> Nissan Altima with no hubcaps for sale. <laughs> All right. 
bad baby. Uh, I think this might be the first song where the vocals actually had a melody. Uh, this is so loose and thrown away that you can even hear Johnny giving directions to drummer Martin Atkins after he seemed to drop the beat. Peter, play second 54. The reason this sounds so unsure is because this was a recording of Martin Atkins' actual first audition to play drums in PIL. This is just everything about this just keeps getting more and more thrown together. It's like, oh, the, this track right here, that was the audition. First gig. All right. Well, what was your first gig like? I did. I worked at a gas station in suburban Chicago and always knew I wanted to be like, I wanted to try stand up, but it wasn't cool. It was like 1999 and stand up was not, it was like still the end of the boom. Yeah. Not this boom that we're in now, but yeah. the end of the eighties boom and stuff. So nobody, I didn't know where to go. And also I was again, this whole trying to be punk rock. What are you going to go on stage and entertain people on purpose? That's not punk rock. You're going to be in their face. And I'm like trying to write jokes. So <laughs> I, there was an audition like when, when HBO had the Aspen Comedy Festival and they did this open casting call at Zany's downtown Chicago. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a day off work. I'm going to go do this three minutes. I've been writing jokes because I was going to school for writing, but all the stuff I was writing in these classes were really just stand-up bits. So your first real stand-up show is going to be an audition for Aspen Comedy yeah, Festival. Yeah, because I didn't even know what it was. I just didn't know how to get you know, That's Which is great, too, I didn't know how way. to get on stage. But actually, but Kyle, that's great to know that you're going into something that everybody else, the stakes is so high for, and you're just like... But I didn't. I didn't know... That's what, what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. So you're comfortable. Like, I mean, you're as well, comfortable as you're going to be. You've never experienced it. But, like, I didn't know what open mics were. I had no idea how comedy works. I literally had to sit there <clears throat> at my job at a gas station and read the newspaper and go, like... This is for stand-up comedians. Show up here at this time and sign up. I'm like, oh, okay. This was this was a pre-internet, pre-internet for me. So I didn't know how to look up comedy. Where do you start comedy? I had no idea. And so I drove down there, and it was all. It was at like eleven in the morning because it was an audition. It wasn't, yeah, you know, like when they, like that. when they do them here at the clubs, but it'll be during the day, so it doesn't fuck up a show. Yeah, and it's the preliminary. Line. So it's a comics from many like Minnesota, Michigan, India, all driving, all Midwest dudes clamoring for this shit i'm like oh man, oh, I, man get- I hope <clears throat> i get this yeah yeah i'm like i guess it's a big deal and i did my three minutes and i didn't get any laughs but it's all comics nobody was getting laughs nobody unless was, you're playing yeah. in the back of the room i didn't get booed i'm like all right cool i didn't get booed and then i went out to my car and i think i had like three hundred dollars in parking tickets because I, <laughs> I know i would always go down i would always drive to the city for shows and it'd be after yeah, the meters would be done PM, yeah so i didn't know i'm like i'm like nobody, <laughs> nobody checks these things so i just one ticket after another after you another, were just like punk rock uh, yeah punk rock. i'm more broke than i thought i was <laughs> just trying to chase my dream <laughs> well foreshadowing <laughs> um but yeah, so that was my first gig. And then I went at the college I was going to, at Columbia College, I saw a dude in my class who was on that. I was like, hey man, you did that comedy thing. What? How do you do that? And he's like, oh, there's open mics at all these places. Open so, mics? Yeah, I was like, comedy? He's like, you go sign up. and you. I, I didn't know anything. You go sign up and get five minutes. So that's how I started doing comedy. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All right, No Birds. This song started with so much promise. Uh, then it goes to hell really <laughs> Really oh, quickly. Somebody's coming. You got around. a little taste of it? Play it for me, Peter.
I actually do like the bass and the drums together. I, you know what? I don't want to just shit on this completely. But Johnny said, no birds do sing is a line from a poem by John Keats. I just borrowed a bit of it because it suited this particular rant about suburbia. Uh, you grew up in suburbia, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, but it was the inspiration for so much art that you like for people bitching about suburbia. So you have to give it some credit for being there. Well, he wrote, you know, no birds, uh, which you love. <laughs> not. It Bird. sounds like Johnny went out of his way to make this melody as tuneless as possible. Uh, what kind of neighborhood did you grow up See, in? See, if I was being punk rock, I'd be like, this is my favorite song. <clears throat> Just to be contrarian. <laughs> be like, oh, you don't like it? Actually, this is the best song I've ever heard. So we, we were talking about <clears throat> that you did grow up in the suburbs. What effect do you think that had on you? I don't know. I mean, I've done jokes about it in the past, but it's 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 so easy to get sucked into it. Because I always thought, like, my impression was if like, you grew up in a city, you were going to be exposed to so much different <clears throat> culture and walks of life, and you might grow up faster because you're getting more experience. Yeah, I get that. But you're also exposed to so much more diversity. Or if you grow up all the way in the country, in the sticks, you get nothing. You either learn about hard work because you're on a farm or doing some fest. So you understand work ethic. And, you know, maybe there's something there like, oh, I got to get out of here. I got to get, I got to move to the big city. But in the middle is the suburbs where you have no real opposing force other than boredom. And that you just medicate for. So yeah. I just, you know. A lot was, of field parties. Well, no, we didn't have fields. That's you, the you, country. We, no. no, there's, but there's like, but like the suburbs is, could be like a mixture of city and sticks. That's what I had at least. Well, we just had the stuccoed, the taupe stuccoed mun, mundanity. Mundanity, mundanity. You know, I know what you're trying to say. A boring, a, a boring backdrop of just driving around smoking pot, <laughs> and then that's what we do every night. And then, it, then, but then that's where all that, that's where all the bands were playing because they were all ages shows. So in the city, it'd be a 21 over because it's in the clubs and everything. But all ages shows, you needed to get people in from all over the Chicagoland area, not just in the city. You got a lot of kids that are 14 years old; they don't have any way to get in the city, but they could ride a bike to a VFW in Elmhurst. So all these shows are like the skateboard kids and like you start seeing everybody at the same show. And so that was that weird kind of angst. But everybody was still having fun because, again, nobody had this major oppression or yeah. if they did, we didn't hear about <clears throat> it. So that's what that's that's what I feel about the suburbs. But it gave some people got bored enough to do something. You move to the city, but you still that's a, that's the impetus. That's the inspiration for a lot of stuff is the suburbs and opulence and spending money on shit you don't need, like showing off. For for you know, yeah. trying to keep up keep, keep up with the Joneses, which exactly. is just such a pointless, silly thing. Yeah, I, I think, but don't think for yourself. Like fall in line. Suburbs are very fall in line. Chant, uh, Peter, play the first verse if you can find it, because I don't think there's really a difference between the chorus and the verses in this song. This is another tough one to get through. I'm not going to lie. This one, this is not one of my favorites. Uh, it's got this pounding, plodding rhythm with the guitar splattering noisy noodles all over it. And meanwhile, there's this chant throughout all of it. It's just saying mob, war, kill, hate. Uh, Let me guess. Did he make something up or improvise? 
Was it the was this the symbol player's first day back on the job after he lost his hands in a mining accident? <laughs> it sounds like it's about the human nature of mob mentality, sure. and maybe it's political, or maybe it's just about the mobs of mm. like-minded pop or punk fans. Um, what is the most ridiculous trend or fashion that you were into? I mean, I was of the era of the giant pants skate punk. Remember that? I don't remember that. It's those Jinkos? <laughs> yeah. But like but right before it went to the Ravers, it was just the skateboard dudes. And then the skate companies would make them purposely big, so there's a little bit of tailoring. But then the kids that couldn't afford the the plan B or blind or whatever kind of skate company pants would just go to the Ace Hardware and buy get, the biggest ones they can get. Just get forty five inch waist Dickies or yeah, Dickies <laughs> jeans or painters jeans. And it was like You rock those? Doing? You rock how long were you rocking? I never those for? I never had the super big ones. We did. I. I mean, there was the chain wallet things because you know, God forbid, you want your wallet falling out of your back pocket when you're in the back seat of someone's Chevy Cavalier. <laughs> you never know when you're going to get into a fight with a Russian man in a bathhouse. Uh, all you need I, that chain. Yeah. All I ever did was get it caught on a car seat. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, it was the most embarrassing thing, and it was the weird idea of like can't have it too short if it's too short and then you got to get your wallet out you got to turn halfway around to look in your wallet to like find your three dollars stretching your obliques yeah yeah (laughs) they got us pulled a muscle and then i remember what this uh uh, remember ecstasy remember before mdma oh yeah dude huge fan of regular ecstasy oh my god the best you know it was great because you're in chicago with like bad boy bill and some really good djs during that time Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Oh man! Oh, yeah. you want to go jumping, jumping Julio <laughs> Perez? His uh, sister was my Spanish teacher. Oh no shit! Yeah, or cousin or something. But uh, yeah, you can go house music, Bad Boy Bill, and all that stuff. But yeah, so ecstasy, like we're all again punk rock. But then somebody's like, but drugs. But like, it's not punk rock drugs, but it feels good. All right, I'll try it. And it was like I remember we were all giving each other back rubs. And this is the height of like the social distortion. Not the not the big fat skater pants, but like really trying to pull off that Mike Ness look. Of just I don't know like, that look, but I, I can only imagine. Like rock, rockabilly, like rockabilly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. it's like you know, just the tank tops. Everybody got their first tattoo. Like maybe and, like they've only got a radio that makes that noise. Like yeah, yeah. Just just <laughs> just just like like pant like black mechanic shoes. Like like go, go on like like cosplay mechanic. Sure. Was Mike like, the, look. like the way that ninety percent of the hardcore lesbians dress? <laughs> yeah, but they have a skill set to back it up. Probably. Sure, they're going to make you a bench out of a fallen light pole out there. <laughs> the rest of us are like, I don't know, I work in customer service, but I, I just want to dress like a Mumford and Son. I dress like I'm going to chop top a '51 Ford, but I, I actually, I'm, I'm, <laughs> but I got to go to Jiffy Lube to do anything. Assistant manager in a Blockbuster. <laughs> I was, but we did. We, yeah, we did a bunch. My buddy walked into this party where we were finally doing ecstasy. We're like, all right, we're all gonna do it. We're all just giving each other dudes, just back rubbing each other. And my buddy walks in. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> and we all were like, "Remember laying on a deck? We're laying on somebody's deck of an apartment, <laughs> second floor, shitty suburban apartment buildings. They're only two stories tall, but everybody's got a little deck." And you're like, "Hey, you're doing good, man. Nice." And laying on there, and all our chain wallets got stuck in the deck. We all had to get 
and we all had to leave our wallets. <laughs> they all went through the. They cracks. all fell through yeah, and then and then kinked up. I'm like, man, I'm pretty uh, sure, ridiculous. pretty sure Mike Nest and I'm <laughs> pretty sure. I don't think we can sing "Prison Bound" with any sort of realism after this is our Friday night. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. All right, and, and we know what is beautiful as well. The last song on this record. Oh, You're insert finally. joke saying finally it ended. There it is. Radio Four. Now this weird music. The last song of the album just starts all over again. That's that would be that well, would be I, funny. But if you listen to this here, Peter, play a little bit of Radio Four for me. This weird like, like somebody's I, jingle bells scene. Yeah, broke. it's like it's like a Muzaki instrumental, uh, but it's soothing in a way that I feel there was a point to end such an aggressive album. You it's know? like a cucumber water after a real mean massage. Yes. Oh, that's a good fucking analogy. Dude. I paint with words. Yeah. <laughs> this features only guitarist Keith Levin and singer Ken Lockie of the band Cowboys International on drums, who previously played with Levin in the band The Quick Spurts. It's called Radio 4 because, and here's the punk rock aspect, at the time, there was only Radio 2, Radio 1, 2, and 3 in England. Um, who was the most instrumental in helping your career? Oh, that's a different way to go with instrumental. Yeah, you All like right. that? Um, I think very early on, because if I, you know, I never brought friends to comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, when I started, because I, I went and just watched. Once I did that first, they, they talk about that audition thing, and then I went. I just started watching open mics for like two months, and I was only excited about. I was excited to just like, oh, there's this whole new world. Like it felt like when I first heard punk rock, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, these bands are playing everywhere every weekend. This has been going on, and now I have something. Like now I have things to do. I have to go see these bands every weekend. That's exciting. And then. Once stand up, like, oh wait, there's open mics every night. Oh, well, not in Chicago at the time. Really, you? I would have thought because Chicago not, is such not, a is not such a. There's there's there was sketch comedy oh, and so improv, but stand up was this like dirty little cousin. Yeah, but so I was like, wait, now I have things to do. Now this is gonna be my like. Remember when you like you do something, you're like, this is gonna be hard and shitty, but I can't not do it. Yeah. Cause I'm lazy about everything else. And the first open mic I did, I, uh, and I would watch people, not the people that did well. Cause of course you want to come back. I watched the people that did bad. And that was always exciting. Cause I'm like, Oh, somebody did horrible tonight and they'd show up the next week. And as long as they weren't just doing the same jokes, but like, well, I rewrote this one. I'm trying I'm like, Oh, it's going to be all right. You can yeah. come here and suck. You can come here and embarrass yourself. You don't want to, but it's okay. And I, the first time I finally signed up and did it, there was two guys, one guy named Monty who lives here now. Uh, another guy named Dwayne Kennedy, who was the influence over every Chicago comic from that era. Both like afterwards, like, hey, that was, that was funny, man. You should come back here. Like in, just encouraging words from, they didn't have to, I didn't know him. I didn't know anybody. I was a stranger. Like people don't realize that it goes a long way to somebody just starting, especially they knew they, they'd seen me come, come in there for a couple months and just watching and watching and studying and you like the two guys that like you respect are like I think hey, this man. guy that works at the shipyard is stalking us. Oh, well, I was a young, I was a fresh-faced youth. <laughs> you know, you I, I look. You still probably. In, how old are you when you started? 
22. 20 years. I've been doing this 20 years, man. You look, you looked 42 at that time. <laughs> no, I did. I did. I did. I was smoking about two packs a day. <laughs> yeah, dude. You look like you, had, you already had yeah. it, went through a divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Jesus, God. Was, why is he talking uh, about, like, weathered. why is he talking about all this bullshit? Talk yes. about your life, man. You've lived. I did nothing. I was all, <laughs> I was all head burned out, man, just writing weirdo, weirdo stoner bits. So, but what about these but, guys? So, that was so in, yeah. So, that, like, and they were guys that like I, I looked up to that were good. And they would come with new stuff all the time. Like Dwayne Kenny was a guy that would anybody in the whole bar if he was going up, everybody's like, "Oh, Dwayne's on," and the, all the comics came to see him. You know, to get comics pulled away from the sidebar, but we gotta see Dwayne do it. Thing. Yeah, it's like Angelo. The way that it, when Angelo performed, <laughs> yeah. it was like everybody. I mean, at every open mic, they would just run in to see him. Yeah, you got a legend. You're gonna you're gonna want to see this. Every, that's the only way I can get people to come to my show. I'm like, I'm all right. I'm gonna invite people to the show. Don't worry. Dwayne Kennedy's on it, so it'll be a good show. I'm going to suck, but, but the, the Dwayne, reward yeah. is that this guy's going to be on the show. And for him to be like, that was funny, man. You should definitely keep doing this. It's the, it's the moment your life got ruined because yeah. somebody encouraged you to do stand-up. <laughs> well, I guess I'm fucked. All right, you want to do some facts? Yeah, but yeah. What what are the facts? Right. That facts, 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 facts. That's, that's a good melody. The group's name came from the Muriel Sparks novel, The Public Image, about a movie actress whose career is ruined, but who is freed to embark on an authentic post-fame existence. Uh, if you had to give up life in the public eye, what would make you happy doing? Man, I'm trying to right now. No, you're not, dude. You're, you're, I know. Sem- like, you said you're like retiring. Yeah, you're not. You're not. I just saw you at Genghis Cohen. What well, could you be? Happy I already doing? know. I want to be a. I want to be a park ranger. That would be good for you. I want. I, every time I go camping, or if I'm, I always ask them and try and pick their brain about it. And a lot of them. So, uh, um, like, what's the pay? Well, <laughs> no, uh, you don't make benefits. Don't, you don't pay shit, and they can transfer you in a whim because budgets are low. So, they're, they're how much thin. bear shit do you step in? They don't. You gotta. You gotta be. You have to have backgrounds in police or fire. Uh, you don't have that. Um, no, I know. That's what I'm saying. This is what I found out. So but there's do- different components of it that, you know, full park rangers traveling around. You have to, you know, you're the police and stuff when you're in these parks. You're the fire. You're, you're the first first responders of anything going on. But they're like, oh, you're, you're a comedian. The people that give the tours, being able to do public speaking, getting people excited because, you know, how much longer do we have this planet, let alone, like, you know, national parks if somebody finds oil under them? Yeah. You know, so somebody that can present it in an exciting way and make people excited about it, like anything that, you know, who who got you into something when you're a little kid that wasn't comedy or performance based, but somebody that was ex- an adult that was excited about their job. Yeah. Like an adult that liked what they were doing. And that makes a kid go like, oh, I'm going to be I want to be an astronaut. It's not some fumbly like, well, uh, there's a checklist and you have to make sure that the. Uh uh, altimeters are correct. Or a guy going, yeah. yeah, we get in there. I get to wear this crazy suit. I, some, there's like only a little bit of gravity on the moon, so you can bounce. You float around. Yeah, that's the guy. Somebody who's speaking enthusiastically about something is going to get oh, other yeah. people excited about it. According to bassist Jaw Wobble, this album is to music what Edvard Munch's famous painting, The Scream, mm-hmm. was to art. What makes you give the silent scream? I don't, you can get like again getting so caught up in stupid things. Yeah, showbiz wise, you know, Monty, the guy who I talked got me, and I still, you know, communicate with to this day. And remember, I remember having lunch with him. He's like, "Man, compare and despair. Don't get caught up in that. Like looking what other people get. Oh God, especially in this town, it's like compare and despair. That's what happens if you compare yourself. You despair. So I was like, yeah, I'm like, 
oh, so-and-so got this, and why didn't I get this, and it's probably this reason and that reason. Who cares? Dude. What if you just try, just be good at what you're doing and, 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 and try to sell your happiness from knowing you did a good job and stop looking at money and stop looking at – and that's very easy, easy for me to say. I, I made a living off stand-up. Yeah. That's, I already won. I already won this game. Yeah. But also, like, like trying to – I'm not – I'm immature just emotionally, the way I respond to things, because I never had to be mature. I don't have kids. I never had to, like, be an adult for somebody else. I don't have to be an adult for my job. I don't have to show up and be responsible to workplace at 8 a.m. every day, yeah. looking clean, not looking hungover. You're celebrated for your flaws being a stand-up. You're celebrated for being this, you know, slouch of a human being. And it's hard to, like, turn that off and come home and be like, be a decent person. Yeah. Be be emotionally rational. But no, because when I go out on stage, I'm like, this fucking guy cut me off. And I was like, go fuck yourself, buddy. Go, go cram a <laughs> banana in your asshole, man. And then people laughed. And then you just get, you know, negative reinforcement to be that jerk over and over again. Yeah. And it's that, but then a few <laughs> nights off where I'm sitting in the desert just chilling out, I'm like, man, I really don't like that, who I am. <laughs> I don't like myself. <laughs> I don't like that guy. Yeah. That's why I made the mistake of like, oh, I'm going to be a comedian because everybody thinks I'm funny. No, it's because I just screamed at every party. I was just the loud one. I made, I had, I guaranteed people paid attention to me or they would just go in another room. Yeah. Like there's a difference between being funny and just being obnoxious and forcing people to laugh because there's no conversation happening. All right. Last, last one. Here we go. Uh, this is my favorite one, hence why I saved it for last. In 1986, due to their shared interest in hard drugs, PIL guitarist Keith Levin was hired to record and produce the demos for the third album by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Keith and Wait, Peppers... What year? What year? This is uh, 1986. 86. Keith and Peppers guitarist Hillel Slovak set aside... $2,000 of the $5,000 budget for drugs without telling the rest of the band. I fucking love that. Mm-hmm. No, it's only 3000 Where'd you get all them syringes from? Uh, it's part of the deal. Found them. <laughs> it comes with soundstage. We use soundstage. We get, we get syringes. Uh, what's the most ridiculous or shocking thing you've ever done while under the influence? I mean... That's yet to be written, probably. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting weird now in my semi-retirement, so we'll see. I think I, I again, like it's like it's like what's your guilty pleasure? It's like I've done everything and I gotta own it. <clears throat> I probably I, I like like Saturday night is a loud jerk, is a loud drunk jerk. Uh, I don't think it's ridiculous. You know, there's a lot of nudity. Really, you're 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 a nude drunk. Well, no, that's other drugs. I mean, some of the stuff is I broke uh, – well, I didn't break it. I separated my collarbone, just backyard wrestling. Before backyard wrestling was a thing where I was just drunk on a fence, and I was like, body, I just yelled, body slam. There's nobody there. And I separated <laughs> my collarbone from my shoulder. Um, yeah, just stuff where it's like, man, you really thought you were being funny, and you're just uh, too old. Like, you know, I still drink, like, like, like Saturday, but, like, when it's – you know, especially when some people's personas are like, I'm a party dude. It's like, that's fine. Your 20s and some of your 30s. But it gets sad. Like I it said, like, I like to see artists and performers grow as human beings. Not like they got to sober up, but to just do the same thing, especially with punk rock where everybody's musical abilities are generally pretty limited. 
Like, how many times can you put out that same record? I'll give Jonathan Lydon some credit for constantly going, like, how about this thing? Okay, now how about this thing? I might not be on board with it sonically, but I appreciate the individual going, like, I got to try new things. Yeah. I got to do new stuff and challenge myself, whether it with the songwriting or, or sonically, musically what it is, you know. All right, so what are your final thoughts on this record? What? Why do you have to ask me that? It sucks. That's 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 basically it. That's I mean, exactly. it sucks to me. This is the maturity. It sucks to me. There it is. But what? Just because I like something doesn't mean it's good, and just because I don't like something, it doesn't mean it's bad. What I'm gonna say is, <laughs> give this album some time. You know, don't just listen to it once, and you will be rewarded. Uh, Kyle, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on, brother. I appreciate it, man. You bet. Kyle Kinane, ladies and gentlemen. This episode was a battle. I think I won. I think more people are going to... Actually, to be honest with you, I think more people are probably not going to like this record. For all things Kyle, go to kylekinane.com. At Kyle Kinane on all social media. And listen to his podcast, The Boogie Monster, anywhere you get your pods. He also wanted me to say this. He has a line of hot sauce called T-Tops Gack Slatherin'. So I think you can probably get that at his website. Also, I'll be posting his Spotify mixtape. And for all things 500, to find everybody's mixtapes, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Email us at 500podcast at gmail.com. And follow me, at Josh Adam Myers, on all social. August 20th, the Goddamn Comedy Jam's five-year anniversary at the Roxy with Jim Jeffries, Big J. Okerson, Brad Williams, and more. Get tickets at my website, joshadammyers.com. Don't forget, subscribe to the 500, y'all, on Spotify. First on Spotify and then somewhere else. But first on Spotify, leave a review and rate the shit out of it. Follow my staff at Avery Funny, at DJ Morty Coyle, at JT Podcast Exec, and at Badass Wizard. Now, we just listened to PIL from 1979. Here is a band called Blitz Vega with their first single, Hey Christo. They're a new UK band that features ex-Smith bassist Andy Rourke and Cobb from Happy Mondays. Our music director, Matt Pinfield, Lil Matty Pinfield, says they love Metalbox and were influenced by PIL. Listen to their music on Spotify. Check out the link on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you were in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500 website, send us your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject line. Next week is Whole Week with their 1994 album, Live Through This. So y'all got some homework to do. Listen to it on Spotify. Stay fleecy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Next Chapter Podcasts.